Grace, mercy, and peace be unto you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Our text today from St. Luke, the, the 13th chapter, Jesus, after talking about the two tragedies that had taken place, he says, Do not think that these Galileans are worse sinners than all other Galileans because they have suffered in this way. No, I tell you, but unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. Dear friends of Christ, one of the great mysteries of the faith is why God allows tragedies to happen. And it's a stumbling block for people. And they, they say, I'll believe in God, just why, do, why does he let bad things happen? If he's, if he's good, if he's all-powerful, and if he's good like he says he is, then why does he let innocent people suffer? A good God wouldn't do that. They think, that's what they say, like they really know who God is. But a good God wouldn't do that. And then they say, why earthquakes? And of course, why the floods, right? We've got the floods in, in Nebraska and in Iowa. Uh, why so much damage? Why so much hurt, property loss, hurricanes, tornadoes? Uh, why disease? Why death? Every time tragedy strikes, our human hearts cry out, why? Why? I don't understand. Is there a God or isn't there? And if he is, why doesn't he do something? And the disturbing mystery, the answers to that question are not easily found. They're, they're not easily found. God just simply says, my thoughts are not your thoughts. My ways are not your ways. And we say, oh, come on, God, that's not enough. We need some kind of explanation. We need some kind of, uh, we need some details. It's kind of like a parent uh, telling a misbehaving child, because I told you so. Well, why, why was it wrong? Because I said so. No details, no explanation. Just, I'm the parent, I said so, and that's enough. You know, we do that to our children. God does that to us, and we don't like it. And without information, then, we incorrectly make assumptions we incorrectly make assumptions when bad things happen. We assume when tragedies happen that God is putting it upon that person or that group of people because they've done something terribly wrong. And of course that happens you know, whenever there's a hurricane that hits or whenever there's an earthquake that hits. We say those people must be living in sin. There's God's punishment. And there are even some Christians who do that, aren't there? This is God's judgment on those evil people. And what was Jesus' answer? <laughs> we assume God's getting even. The whole book of Job is about that. Job met all kinds of troubles. He lost everything that he had except his life. And everybody's saying, well, you're, it's a terrible sin, Job. You've got a terrible thing in your life. God is punishing you. God wasn't punishing him. God was testing him. There's a difference. But it looks pretty similar, doesn't it? Testing and punishment can look the same. So, once again, this topic is before Jesus. Why, do, why does God allow tragedies to happen? And, and, of course, then Luke records two disasters that Jesus says, oh, there are two things that made the Jewish, uh, made the Jewish news, right? Made the Jerusalem daily news. The first event was the death of all the innocent Galileans who had come 
to worship the Lord in Jerusalem. These were just good believers. And they showed up in Jerusalem. They went to the temple. They were there worshiping. And Pilate sends a contingent of his soldiers and they stormed the temple and they slaughtered the worshipers. It was a bloody massacre. Do you think this atrocity was a case of divine retribution? Do you think this bloodshed was God getting even? Why did God allow it? They were worshiping Him. You know, Jesus had an answer, but before I get into the answer, I want you to realize the people who were asking this question, (laughs) you know, what about the two tragedies? Asked the question because they thought they were above reproach. What about those people who died in the bloody blood, blood in the bloodshed? What about those people who fell, who died in the in the falling of the of the tower? You know, we're not like that. We, God doesn't punish us that way. We're pretty good people. Somehow they thought that because they weren't being punished, that they were blessed. And again, Jesus' words must have stung them a bit when he said, "Do you think that these Galileans were worse sinners than all the other Galileans?" Because they suffered in this way? No, I tell you. They weren't worse. But I will say, unless you repent, you also likewise shall perish. Of course, Jesus is talking about eternal suffering and death when he returns, isn't he? He's talking about eternal, eternal tragedy, eternal sadness. Now, the second incident involved 18 people because apparently 18 people were standing under, underneath the Tower of Siloam when it fell, and it collapsed on them, killing 18. Why did those people die? What had they done wrong? Was there some kind of hidden sin? Was there some kind of unrepentant sin in each of those 18 people? But again, Jesus answers as he had before, no, I tell you, but unless you repent, you all will likewise perish. I will smite thee. How are we supposed to deal with these words of Jesus this morning? How are we supposed to deal with tragedies and misfortunes when they come our way? When bad things happen to us? And I deal with it all the time. Somebody gets cancer, and immediately they think, Why God? What have I done? It's natural. Okay, what did I do? What do I have to do to change it? I'll make it, I'll, I'll change my life and then you can bless me. What do I have to do? There's got to be a fix here, okay? You just let me know what my part is. I'll take care of it. That's how we think and we're wrong. So how do we deal with these words of Jesus? Jesus says, repent. And so our theme, repent or perish. Every tragedy is an opportunity for Repentance. Every tragedy is an opportunity for us to turn to God, cry out to God. Tragedies happen. However, they do not always happen because the Lord is punishing someone. (laughs) Not every car accident is because somebody has been bad. Not every tornado that destroys a home means that that place that it hit 
deserve to be hit worse than someone else. Some tragedies happen because towers collapse. This is a fallen world. It's a fallen and broken and cursed world. Bad things are going to happen. Towers are going to fall on people. This may come as a surprise to you, but we're living under a curse. The world doesn't understand that. We're a cursed people. This is a cursed land. And these tragedies are not God's fault. They are the inevitable consequence of living in this sinful, fallen, broken world. The inevitable consequence is you will get cancer. The inevitable consequence is your heart will stop. You will have heart disease. There will be accidents. Massacres still happen. Injustice still happens, but Jesus is saying when these things happen, they don't happen because individuals are being punished for un, some unknown sin, unknown repentant, unrepentant sin. No, it means that we live in a sinful, fallen world. And the sinful, fallen world is going to fall on you differently, but it's going to fall on you, and you'll suffer at some point too. And unless you all repent, you too will likewise perish. Yeah, that's a sobering truth, isn't it? But let me repeat, tragedies happen because we live in, we live in a fallen, sinful, broken world. But sometimes we don't get it, do we? we don't, I don't think we understand what it means to live in a world that's cursed or be under the curse. We don't get it. We're not cursed. There's no curse here. And we don't understand the nature of all that. What it means to live in darkness and brokenness and injustice and in tragedy in the midst of sadness and tears and, and death. It all seems normal. It's normal to us. But when it comes our way, okay, what have I done? Why are you punishing me? Like it's a surprise. The rebellion of Adam and Eve, the fall, it affected every, everything. It infected everybody. Everybody is infected and under the curse. Now everything must die. Our plants die. Our, our uh, pets die. Our friends die. Our loved ones die. The fall set death and destruction and decay into motion. And everything's falling apart. Before the fall, nothing was decayed. Before the fall, nothing died. Before the fall, animals and plants lived in perfect harmony. Animals and people lived in domestic tranquility. But not since the fall. Now earthquakes destroy, volcanoes kill, floods wipe out property and do damage and people suffer. And people die. And God's message to us in all, this, in all this tragedy, when we see all these things happening, God's message to us, turn back to God, repent, or you too all likewise shall perish. But I can tell you this, that's not a message that the world likes to hear. The world hates that message. 
Come back to God. The world won't put up with that truth. Several years ago, Bill Maurer, uh, maybe some of you know him, that talk show host, uh, he is a, a religious cynic and a Christian hater. He, he hates any kind of religion, but he, he decided one time on his show he was going to be cute, so he gathers together a panel of, of four well-known Christians and uh, has them sit there. The first question he asks them, because he wants, to, he wants them to ask her, answer the question, why do tragedies happen? So here you got this panel. Why do tragedies happen? His first question to the panel, is God good? Is God good? And everybody in the panel said, yes. Is God all-powerful? Most of the panel said yes. Well then, said the sneering host, if God truly is good and all-powerful, why doesn't He stop the tragedies, the pain, and the suffering that He lets happen down here? You know what the audience did? They cheered. Yeah! Why doesn't God do that if He really is? <laughs> You're right. There's no God. Return to God. That's, I would if, he, if there weren't suffering down here. I'd return to God if there wasn't a curse. Yeah, right. And then Bill Maurer went on to suggest that God either gets his kicks out of watching his people suffer, or he's just simply too weak to do anything about it. And the crowd cheered again. Listen, we need to get it straight. This mess we're in is caused by sin, not God's fault. In fact, that's why Jesus came. Jesus came to fix the mess we're in. And so Jesus comes and He walks this, this world. He killed Him. He took all of the sin upon Himself. God Himself came into this world to fix the mess and it killed Him. That's how bad it is. He had to suffer. He had to die. He had to bear the tragedy. And He didn't deserve any of it. We have Lent because Jesus decided to do something about the pain and suffering, the injustice and the brokenness and the darkness. He decided to become a light to the world. And so He came to deal with the devil. He came to defeat sin and death. And He has. That's what we celebrate. And that's why Jesus calls us to turn. In this season, He asks us to follow Him to the cross as He makes the way of salvation open for us as he fights the battle for us, and then he says, what do I want from you? Repent. Come back to me. Return to me. And it's, it's not just a, I'm sorry that I've been wrong. It's a change of heart. It's, it's a turning away from sin. It's an acknowledgement the way I've been doing things aren't right. This is the way you want me to be doing things. And so then we re receive his forgiveness and we bear fruit. Lent is a time for repentance. It's a time we constantly think about turning away from our brokenness and living for Jesus alone. So don't embrace this world's hatred for God. You know, don't embrace lust, greed, envy, selfishness, anger, rebellion. Turn! 
For Jesus says, unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. In our text, Jesus is telling us that repentance is necessary. Believers repent. That's what they do. Now, God commands us to do this, yes, but (laughs) this is the point that Jesus is trying to stress. So in order to stress the point, he gives us a parable, the parable of the barren fig tree. And of course, the tree is the chosen people of God, Israel. So the tree is Israel, the Old Testament followers of Christ. And the tree produced leaves, no fruit. Most of them God was displeased with. They were fruitless fig trees. Oh, the trees looked good. They just didn't produce anything. There was no love. There was no acts of service. There was no obedience. There was no repentance. The owner of the vineyard's God, and he was greatly disappointed in Israel, the tree. And he decides, there is no fruit. Let's cut it down. Let's destroy it. Let's smite the tree. It's not producing anything. It's not worth anything. This tree is ripe for judgment. The gardener, that's Jesus. He steps in. He intercedes on behalf of the tree and he says, Sir, leave it alone for one more year. I'll dig around it. I'll fertilize it. And if it bears fruit next year, fine. If not, then cut it down. And so Jesus intercedes to plead for sinners. He intercedes, he comes into the world, and he suffers and dies. He said, let, let me make a sacrifice, see if I can win them over with my love. Let's see if we can turn their hearts with mercy and forgiveness. Give it one more season, give it one more chance. And the gardener then comes. He comes to help the tree. He comes with loving care to nurture it and and to provide manure for it, and nutrition for it. And and then he comes and he gives his life for the tree, that the tree might live and bear fruit. Repentance. And that's why Jesus said to the Pharisees and Sadducees, produce fruit in keeping with repentance. The parable of the barren fig tree. Really, it's a message of hope. Jesus pleads for us. He says, Father, give this precious tree to me. I'll take care of it. Give this tree time to turn. Give this tree time to change. Give this tree time to bear fruit worthy of repentance. And Peter expressed the same kind of thought when he said, the Lord is patient toward you not wishing for any to perish, but for all to come to, re- to repentance. <laughs> you know, what a joy it is to be a tree for the Lord, to know all that He's done for me, the patience He has for me, the joy He has in me. Despite my sinful disobedience, Lord, let it sit another year. Let me continue to feed it. Let me teach it my word. And he does that through holy baptism, washes your sins away. You know, when you mess up, he doesn't, he doesn't give up and say, Oh, they messed up. Tragedy will, tragedy will smite them. <laughs> there they went again. 
car wreck for them, cancer for that person, hurricane over there, tornado there. You all deserve it. You shall be smited. In the midst of all our tragedies, he forgives. And when the muck and mire of this fallen world fall upon us, it doesn't drive Jesus away from us. Jesus cleanses us and he washes us and he makes us his own. Who would not want to turn and follow a God like that? Amen. And now may the peace of God that passes all understanding keep your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus unto life everlasting. Amen.